Hello there. Thanks for coming back for another episode of Chatting Chipwise. And we got a really good one today as things have ramped up inside CMU Athletics. Winter sports still in full force. Championship season coming up. And then spring sports has they've kicked off as well as the weather is starting to get warmer. But we focus on the hoop side today, both men's and women's hoops, and thought it would be a good idea to continue on the assistant trail. Scott Cherry, his first year as an assistant under head coach Tony Barbie and the men's team, he's got a fascinating story. He was a college basketball player under one of the greatest coaches, Dean Smith, and at North Carolina, and he's been a head coach before at the D1 level, so we get into all of that and more with Scott Cherry, a fascinating story. And then Chelsea Butler in her first year as an assistant for Central Michigan women's basketball and her coach Kristen Haney hearing her story and where she came from and what they are doing right now to get this program turned in the right direction. Really enjoyed talking to both of these assistant coaches and certainly hope you do as well. All right, we'll get started with Scott Cherry, the first-year assistant under head coach Tony Barbie. Well, we had to save the best assistant for last. Uh, we did Coach Niz, we did C-Mac, and now Scott Cherry. Welcome to the hot seat that is the podcast here. Well, thank you. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, it's, it's great to have you come up here to Central Michigan. So take us through. I know you got a long journey, but how did you make your way to Central Michigan University? Coaching profession is, you know, it's especially at the college division one level is a challenge, you know, for your family. But been a lot of different schools, a lot of different places. Um, last couple of years I was in Jacksonville, Florida, at Jacksonville University. Um, before that, various stops at George Mason, Western Kentucky, Tennessee Tech, South Carolina. I was head coach at High Point for nine years. Then got out of the business for a few years. And then down in Jacksonville, I was, you know, trying to do a little bit something for my, my son, uh, the situation he was in in school down there. Um, he was doing some homeschool stuff for a couple of years. Wasn't a good situation for him. So looking for a, a different opportunity somewhere. And uh, I've known Coach Barbie for a while. Um, and we have a lot of the same people in terms of connections and relationships in the business and uh, heard that he had a couple spots open up and just kind of started the reaching out to the people that knew him and um, the people that know me and the same people and just started to kind of get the ball rolling and fortunately it worked out for me and happy to be up here with him. On top of it being a good fit with Coach Barbie, uh, getting your family in a good fit as well is important. How do you like Mount Pleasant? How does your family like this area? Oh, it's great. We're, we The last five years, we lived in two metropolitan areas, Memphis for three years and then Jacksonville, Florida for two years. And you know, It's nice to be in a smaller town and college town and smaller environment. You know, I can get to my house back and forth in three or four minutes as opposed <laughs> to a 40-minute drive, which I had in, in Florida. So... You know, it's just we we wanted to get my son in school. He's in, he's in a really good situation here at Sacred Heart, and um, got him back into the flow of going to school and having relationships and friends and stuff. So it was important for that, but uh, we're happy about that for him, for my wife, and you know, just fortunate to be here in, in a good situation with a bunch of good guys, great uh, good coaching staff, and we got some high character kids that are are doing some good things this year. And so we're, it's exciting to come to work every day and coach. I want to go back to you, I'm assuming, when you were very young, and how did your basketball journey get started? What led you to this sport? Uh, I mean, my, my dad played when he was young. He played some semi-pro way back a long time ago, and then I have two older brothers that both played. Uh, one's five years ahead of me, one's four years ahead of me, and watching them play high school basketball and being at all their games, and then they went on to college and and, and played at, uh, they both played at a Division three school up in Vermont, and we would drive up there all the time and watch games. And so I've been around basketball since I was since I was little, and just had a love for the game and always around them and their friends and going up against bigger kids and kind of helped me become a, a better player. And then started playing organized. You know, back in the day, I went to Catholic school and you know CYO league. Started in fifth and sixth grade and seventh and eighth grade, and then just continued on and fortunate enough to get to the college level and, and play for you know what I would say is the greatest college basketball coach of all time Dean Smith and play for the legendary program of North Carolina and just had a great journey in, in terms of the basketball and 
it's kind of taken me all over the place in a lot of different places and got to meet great people and be around uh, uh, different programs and, and different uh, environments. So, you know, it's just the basketball world uh, is, is small. You, you kind of realize that as you're, as you're going through this uh, at various levels. You run into people that, you know, you, you never thought that they would be there. We moved all the way from Jacksonville, Florida up here, and uh, my son's coach, um, Justin Sherlock, his dad uh, coached my two older brothers in college, which is when you when you move that many miles from one place to another and you end up, your son ends up playing at a high school with somebody that, you know, is related to the, the coach of your, your two It's just a, it was a crazy coincidence, but – um, I've always loved the game. Uh, I got out of college, went overseas and played for a year. And then I, I worked for three years as a forklift salesman. And I saw that in the wiki bio. Yeah. I w- <laughs> good friend of mine from college, not one of my teammates. His dad owned the company. And when I got done after my first year, I didn't really know if I wanted to keep playing, go back overseas. And he said, hey, I got a job for you. So I did it and loved doing it. But after a couple of years, I just realized, you know, the game of basketball was – such a love for me and, and something that I missed and I knew I couldn't play anymore. So, you know, coaching is uh, obviously the next best thing. So just started my kind of my journey there and um, it's led me all the way to Mount Pleasant, Michigan. What is the day-to-day of a forklift salesman? <laughs> we got to know. <laughs> well, you set your own schedule, which is sometimes <laughs> a good thing, sometimes a bad thing. But, you know, I was young. I was single, um, just out of college, you know, 24 years old, living in uh, Greenville, North Carolina, which is the home of the East Carolina University Pri- Pirates, and uh, it's a party town, so it was, you know, it was great for a single guy, and I, I worked for some great people and, and got to learn. You know, the crazy part about it is I tell people all the time, it, it's selling, being a salesman in whatever profession it is, it's kind of like being a college basketball coach. You're really, you're, you're first, you know, you're selling yourself, to, to people that you walk in the door and you may not know or clients that you have and you're selling yourself obviously for who you are can they trust you do they, do they believe in you do they do they feel like you have their best interests which is your kind of what you're doing with parents and kids and then you're selling your product you know you're selling your university you're selling your basketball program it's it's very very relatable in terms of what I was doing on a daily basis so you know, I would hop in a car and I was driving all around eastern North Carolina, which is very rural, um, cotton fields and tobacco fields and stuff. But it was, you know, it was great, great job to have, you know. But at some point I just kind of grew to the point where I was like, hey, listen, I got to I want to get back into sports. I want to get back into basketball. And um, But I, like I said, it was a great experience. I made good money and took a huge pay cut to go from doing that to then the following year being a high school coach. So it was it was a it was a drop in pay, but I'm glad I started on that journey. I want to go back to the journey that led you to play for the Powder Blue in North Carolina and Dean Smith, as you mentioned. I mean, that's that's one of the iconic brands in college basketball. And, and as you said, you played for one of the greatest coaches, won a couple of national championships, endless uh, ACC titles. What was that time in your life like to represent North Carolina and that state and uh, be a part of that program? Oh, I mean, it's it's incredible. You know, there's, you know, when you talk about, you said the, the programs in the country that everybody kind of around the world, you know, knows and the Kentuckys and the Dukes and the Carolinas and the UCLA's and, you know, just those blue blood programs. It was, I didn't know that coming from upstate New York where I grew up. You know, I was, it was all Big East up there. When I got down to Carolina, you know, I knew basketball was big, but I didn't realize how big, you know, it's, people down there take it serious and uh but I mean it was incredible it it I'm here today because of that you know I I would not probably have been able to do the things that I've been able to do in terms of playing overseas and then being able to start my coaching journey and having Dean Smith on your resume and uh, Bill Guthridge one of the assistants who took over when Coach Smith retired for three years he he was the one that kind of helped me get my first men's division one basketball coaching job at at George Mason under Jim Laranaga so you know that 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 time there uh, was incredible. Um, it was, you know, just kind of laid the foundation on top of you know my parents and what I learned in high school. The high school I had a really good high school coach, and then going to to learn and and study under under Coach Smith. It, it was more about life. You know, it just wasn't basketball. But obviously, he he taught you how to play the game of basketball. What I feel like is the right way, um, and be 
uh, the kind of person that you need to be on a daily basis and how you interact with people and um, w what you stand for. So, you know, it was it, I was very lucky, very fortunate to be able to play for him and, and be around him and have that as a reference and and be a part of, you know, all the legendary people that came came through the names that you can go on and on <laughs> with in terms of players that have been uh, able to wear that uniform. Do you hate Duke? I did a lot back then. <laughs> now, I, you know, now you get to the point where it's there's a respect there. You know, I mean, what Coach K did and uh, what John Shire's doing. I mean, that you got to respect the fact that they've had as much success as, they, as they've had. But back then, and it's changed too now. So I think those guys, they play AAU with each other, and you know, we 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 disliked each other immensely. Like we didn't go to Durham, and they didn't come to Chapel Hill. But now these guys kind of interact and hang out with each other and play pickup with each other. <laughs> Man, we play pickup with those guys with Leitner and Brian Davis and Bobby Hurley. We'd have a brawl. So there wasn't a lot of love there between the programs. But now, you know, I mean, obviously when Carolina plays them, I'd. I certainly root for Carolina <laughs> a lot, but uh, uh, yeah, you got you got to respect uh, all these, you know, the, the the kind of stuff that they've done as a program. I mean, it's a it's a great rivalry, but it, it also you, you kind of played in the heyday of that rivalry when those programs were were doing so well. Yeah, no, I mean, the four years I was there, Duke won it ninety, you know, ninety one, ninety two, and we won it ninety three. So you know, it was the three out of my four years. Um, and we almost had a chance to run into each other in, in 91 because we were both in the Final Four, but uh, fortunately we lost uh, to Kansas in the semifinals. But, no, I mean, it was – people down there, man, go crazy. Like, won't go to work the next day if, if their team loses. I mean, it's 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 serious. And uh, But, I mean, a lot of fun, man, a lot of fun. It was It was a lot of fun to be a part of something like that that – you know, you can look back on and look at all the pictures and all the you know, talk to your buddies and all the guys you played with and reminisce about it. When someone says New Orleans to you, what do you think of? Oh man, that's where we want it all. No, it's, <laughs> there's only a couple of places in the country that you know you can really say that. I mean, to win it in New Orleans, um, uh, there's San Antonio is pretty special too. Um, but in terms of winning it at a place, and it's just ironic that we. One at the same place, Coach Smith won his other one, um, um, kind of in a in a similar fashion, kind of fluke. But um, we were just we were really happy at that time because Coach Smith, we just were tired of hearing, you know, he can't win the big one and he doesn't have enough national championships. And I, I, now being a coach for as long as I have, you look back and at all the records of 20 win plus seasons consecutively, and uh, that stuff to me is overhyped. You know, and yes, I know you need to win a title, but um, he's one of the best of all time, and he's ranks up there as, as one of the best human beings I've ever been around. How cool was it, too? I mean, uh, State of Michigan, people know about the Fab Five in Michigan, and there's controversy there, but they were a big story. To beat them in the title game, that had to, I'm sure, been a cool feeling, too. Oh, I mean, they were, they were the most talented team by far, you know. And you could look at the, the four Final Four teams that year, we were probably third or maybe fourth in terms of just on paper talent. Um, but we were we were a really, really good team. We were just cohesive. We were together. We cared about each other. Um, but, you know, those guys are iconic. You know, you go back and you look at the – everybody knows the Fab Five, you know, and even guys today, you know, that were born well after that time, you know, they, they've probably seen the documentary. And that's why I tell guys all the time that's – the best part for me is I'm glad they put that documentary together and it keeps getting shown because the ending to me is the same and it's <laughs> it's really really good uh, it's not great for them but um no they were they were incredible I mean that was an unbelievable team the Kentucky team with Jamal Mashburn that was in the final four, they were really good too and you know it, it that was, was a blue blood final four Kentucky yeah. or Kansas was in that one yeah, too Kansas, right yeah Kansas uh us Michigan um Kentucky it was yeah, I mean, we we were glad to get Kansas again in 93. After we lost to them in 91, we were glad to be able to get to play them again um, and redeem ourselves. And then our reward was to play the Fab Five in the, in the finals. And uh, incredible basketball game. Um, just something special that you that you try to get all – you try to get everybody that I've coached, you try to get them to understand it. It's hard to, to get them to understand really what 
what it means to just win a title, you know, whether it's a regular season, whether it's a conference tournament. But, you know, the national championship is something you dream about as a kid and hope that one day you get a chance to play in that. And I was fortunate and lucky enough to do it. If anybody else uh, is as much of a nerd as I am and wants to go and look at the April 5th, 1993 National Championship box score where North Carolina won 70-70 to 71, they'll find that one Scott Cherry played one minute in that game. Now, if another type of nerd takes it a little farther like myself and goes to YouTube and has the full game up, where should I scroll to? Where was the moment that Scott Cherry entered the chat and got on the floor? I believe it was around the six-and-a-half-minute mark, somewhere in that range of the second half. Um, and I own they, they don't have – they don't they didn't have um, maybe the – they don't say the official time, but I actually played 45 seconds, which was one shot clock. Wow. Our shot clock back then was 45 seconds. And what had happened was the we had the media timeout at the 12-minute mark. And the game kept going and going and going, went through the eight-minute media. And it started getting into the sixes, middle six, I believe, somewhere in that range. I'm not, I might be off in terms of the time. But Coach Smith had a bunch of people at the table ready to check in, and our guys were exhausted, as, as were theirs. And so I think he may have called a timeout and substituted myself and a couple other guys that probably hadn't played a lot of minutes. And we went in on offense and had the ball and moved it around. And I had an opportunity in front of the bench to shoot it. I didn't. Um, we shot it, hit the side of the backboard, and got a shot clock violation. <laughs> we came back out. Um, the guys had had the full timeout, and then they had that possession for them to, to be rested and go back in the game and finish. But, you know, at the time it was a close game. I don't know, one or two point maybe. I don't, I don't really remember. I should know those details. But uh, I was a little worried when I went out of the game that I was hoping I didn't wasn't a part of costing us uh, the game. Coach Smith actually said to me as I came out that I should have shot it when I, right in front of the bench. But, you know, I don't know if I had shot it. I don't know where that ball would have gone <laughs> just because of the adrenaline I had to get in the game and play in, in the Superdome in front of 75, 80,000 people. It was Insane funny thing is Michael Jordan came back that following summer and uh, came down and, and we were playing pickup and whatever. And he came rolling in there and just and just said, man, hey, you, you guys had me worried when you guys went in there and had the shot clock violation. <laughs> and I'm like, well, how do you know, like, every single – you know every single possession that happened in that game. But, um, yeah, I was fortunate enough to play in a national championship game and I'm glad we pulled it out and – was able to walk away with a with a title. Last question about that game. Everyone remembers it uh, up here in the Midwest for Chris Weber calling the timeout that they didn't have. What I remember though is the fact that you had a great view of it. They missed a travel oh. uh, a few seconds earlier, right in front of your bench after the free throw miss. Yeah, if you really want to go back and look at the video, look at us on the bench when, <laughs> when he traveled. We were. I think I jumped probably five, six feet off the ground. We were we were all going crazy, um, including Coach Smith, the the coaching staff. He did. He traveled. He dragged his pivot foot, but uh, you know, karma. I guess uh, eventually caught up to him. But you know, it's unfortunate for them to lose the game the way they did. Um, but you know, we still felt pretty confident in in that. You know, regardless of what had happened with that, that we were going to pull that game out. But uh, you just, I mean, that's. It's the way the game is. I mean, you got to no timeouts, and that's one thing that I make sure that it, even as an assistant coach now uh, and as a head coach, I make sure our guys know how many timeouts we have since obviously it was a big a part of one of the biggest games that it, that, that that happened. But, no, just unbelievable experience, just a great, great opportunity and, you know, something that you can talk about for the rest of your life. Yeah, certainly, and uh, an iconic game as well because not all those games are close, and, and that one was close with two really good teams. Wanted to, to tie in here with CMU. You were the head coach, as you mentioned earlier, for High Point for about a decade. Uh, you were a part of those great George Mason teams with Coach Larinaga, that the Cinderella team that gets to the Final Four. You know about having mid-major success, so – what does it take for a team like CMU that's put together a good year to, to make a run and get through March and, and go dancing and experience what you've experienced as a coach in the past? Uh, you know, I think the biggest challenge always with, with any team 
you know, wherever it's been, is to try to get these guys to understand that they have to, they have to do it together, and they have to, they have to look out for each other. That they have to hold each other accountable. That they have to do it on a daily basis. That they have to show up every single day. Um, that everything that they do, whether it's academics, whether it's um, being out in the community, whether it's keeping yourself home at night, whether it's no matter what it is, the sacrifice that you have to make uh, for yourself and for your teammates to give yourself the chance to achieve something that's um, bigger than everybody in the room. And that's a challenge every single year for every single team. It's been a challenge everywhere that I've been. And the teams that have been the best at it, that I've been a part of, uh, they've been a group of guys that have sacrificed, not been perfect by any stretch of the imagination, not been, um, not ha have like a family have arguments, maybe even have some fights. Um, but at the end of the day, each guy in the room um, looked at the other guy and had a feeling or a thought or knew that each guy had each other's back and that they would hold each other accountable and that there was a genuine, genuine, you know, love and, and a feeling of, hey, man, I'll do anything for these guys. You know, doesn't mean you always agreed with one another. doesn't mean you always liked each other. doesn't mean you went out and hung out with every single guy on the team. But the 2006 Final Four team at Mason, we had a bunch of guys that just didn't care who got the credit, did, did, did not care who was the leading scorer, did not care. All they cared about was what do I have to do in my role um, to make sure that we succeed as a group, and you got to have some luck. You got to stay injury free. Um, and that team in uh, when I was at Western Kentucky, we went to the Sweet 16. Uh, we had a group of guys when I first got there. The guys didn't really necessarily have a belief. Um, it was one of the hardest working. The, we had the the most intense physical practices maybe that I've been a part of. Uh, since my playing days at Carolina, but these guys didn't hadn't seen the results from the way that they've been practicing and, and participating every single day and, and doing it. But just tr as a staff, we tried to get them to understand that what you're doing is 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 the right thing, and this is what you can achieve, and these are the things that could happen. And I know we had a we had a meeting in the locker room one time, and. Each guy on the staff, the head coach, Darren Horn, and, and myself and two of the other assistants and a GA, we had played in NCAA tournaments and had been a part of NCAA tournaments. And just describing the experience that you have when you make the NCAA tournament, you know, the, the, the watch party. And then when you travel, charter. And then when you get there, you're on a bus and you're, you're police escorted everywhere you go. You're at practice and you have 4,000, 6,000, 7,000 people watching you practice. You have people asking for autographs you stay in the nicest hotels you could eat the nicest like all the things that hey man this is if you do these things continue to do them this is what will happen for you and and you know and those teams that that have sacrificed for one another and that have really believed in each other and regardless of what they thought of the coaches or the coaching staff or what we're doing or how we're doing it they didn't care they just lost themselves in the process of of being great every single day and you know, you, you don't always have that, um, but I really believe that we have that this year with this group. You know, we, we've had some challenges and there's been some difficulties just with, with injuries and concussions and shoulders and all different types of stuff going on. But we do have a bunch of guys in there that I think that, that believe in one another, that have each other's back and that want to play really, really hard for each other. And that gives yourself a chance. You know, again, you got to have some things kind of go your way and you got to have this some luck and you got to have some uh, be healthy and continue to, to do that stuff every single day and again it hasn't been perfect there's times obviously we haven't uh, come to practice and been the best and it's kind of showed in the games uh, that on our schedule that we've lost but we've usually corrected ourselves and these guys usually get the wake-up call and then they show up and and do all the things that we need to do to, to be successful and win. Did you feel early on when you came in that there was potential with this group to have 
as you mentioned, maybe they're not the most talented, and that's not to say that they aren't, but it's more so about that unselfishness, and I don't care who gets what, but at the end of the day, we win. Did you feel like they had that early on? I felt like we had the talent to do that. But the biggest challenge you have now in today's landscape, and it's not a complaint, it's not, I'm not, I'm not trying to get the NCAA to do anything. It's just when you put a collection of guys together that are all brand new, mm-hmm. you'd, you'd I mean, you don't really know, you know, you, you, you still have to, to mesh them together. You, it's not like the past where you've had guys in your program for two or three or four years and they grow up together. Well, you know, you've, you've had BT who's been here for the longest um, and then Marcus and you had Max and, and really um, Josiah coming back from last year's team. I don't know if I don't think I'm forgetting anybody, but then you have all these new guys. So how do you get them to mesh together? How do you get their personalities? Uh, who fits with who? What lineup is good together? And but looking at the team, we really felt like we had the talent. If we could get them all believing in each other and being uh, uh, accept their roles, because not everybody's going to be the leading scorer. Not everybody's going to get to take the, all the shots. And and throughout the non-conference portion of the season. You could see a little bit of of trying to fight that, you know, guys that want I want to I want this I want that I want to play more I want to start I want yeah and you, you you have some of that when you have a bunch of new guys together but eventually guys just got on board and and, and they figured out like hey this is what I got to do and uh, let me be the best I can be at my role and do whatever I have to and sometimes that role changes because of injuries <laughs> next thing you know hey you wanted this opportunity now it's been presented to you what are you going to do with it and you know, I really just feel like we have a bunch of guys now that are moving in the right direction, pulling in the right direction, and, and wanting to do the right things. I didn't really know the league being my first year here, but listening to the staff and, and talking about the other teams in our league just felt like we had enough talent across the board compared to the rest of the league that we, 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 had it, we could win it and uh, we'd have a chance to win the conference tournament. So I just kind of believe in that. I just looked at, you know, stats and different rosters and, who was coming back and who was this and watch some film. And, you know, after a little while, you just think to yourself, hey, I just said to myself at the beginning of the season, looking at our schedule, if we can just keep the ship afloat in the non-conference, because that was a gauntlet. Like, that was – played six six bye games. Um, that, was, that was difficult. That was a monster. And so if we could just keep our guys, even though we took some lumps, if we could just keep them moving in the right direction – get them to believe in each other and continue to just focus on the process of getting better and, and getting better at your role and um, improving as an individual. We, when we got the conference season, we, we would have a chance to be pretty good. You mentioned that Tony Barbie is someone that you knew um, prior to taking this job, but what's it been like to work with him and be on his staff? Oh, it's been great. You know, he's, he's intense, but, like, he coaches these guys – to get them to reach their full potential that he's getting them to understand like they feel like they can reach this level he's pushing them to the next level to where this is where you can be this is how good you can be you don't even understand how good you can be uh and he and he works and he meets with these guys and he talks to them and he, he gets them to understand hey this is what you need to do i mean my thing is if you're not going to listen to him a guy that's been around <laughs> pros Every single guy that you come into contact with at any Division One level, probably Division Two and Division Three, when you ask them, I asked my team at High Point, hey, how many of you guys want to play in the NBA? And every single guy raised their hand. And if that's what you want to do, if that's what you aspire to do, you have a guy that you're playing for that knows exactly what it takes to get to that level, to, to, to reach your dreams. And he's instructing you and giving you the blueprint every single day across the board and you've got assistant coaches that have played it in, in tournaments and, and coached guys that have played professionally and made money at this game and have won rings and stuff. If you're not going to listen to them, I, it's going to be really, really hard for you to, I think, be successful in life because uh, Coach Barbie's seen it, he's coached it, he's recruited it, and he knows the things it takes to be where you want to be uh, in terms of this game and also in life, you know, it's also we, he does a great job of, of teaching guys that, that basketball is, is, is an extension of life. This is what you're going to face in life. Like you're going to run into adversity. You're, what are you going to do, quit? 
you know, you're going to have a family, you're going to have kids, you're going to have a job. You know, it's, it all relates to one another. And I, he does a great job every single day of motivating these guys and getting them to, to truly understand what it takes to be successful in, in anything that you do in life, especially if you want to be a pro uh, playing the NBA. You are currently the all-time winningest coach at High Point, where you spent nine seasons, 146 wins. Uh, you guys won four straight championships there in your time. If you could break it down to one point, one season, one moment, what what was special about that place, or what do you remember that sticks out? I, I just think that group that we had in those four years. Um, you know, the other, the other thing people, everybody thinks to in today's, world including college basketball now because of the portal and because of nil and all that stuff that you can fix things in an instant and and you can do it it took me to my fourth year being there to to win our first regular season championship and i was fortunate enough to have a player in john brown that was two-time player of the year defensive player of the year he scored 2200 points in college and didn't make a three and he was a six six center and the most incredible motor I've ever been around him and George Lynch who I played with at Carolina are the two guys that I've been around that played with that motor of non-stop just never quit never got tired um, but that group that we put together and assembled during that time um, they all came they, we had a class of four guys that came in together uh, as freshmen that won uh, four regular season championships but also other guys that were mixed into that group um, that really just bought into what we were preaching and bought into the things that we were we were describing and, and the things that you needed to do to be successful. And, again, you know, we had some bad luck with a couple injuries right at the end of the year. John got hurt two out of the four years he was there, uh, didn't play in the conference tournament. So we didn't have the ultimate success that I would hope for. But um, it's a great university. It's a great campus. The campus is phenomenal. If you haven't been there, you need to go see it. It's it's Taj Mahal, man. It's incredible. The president has done an unbelievable job there. And I wish I'd had a new arena that they have now because that <laughs> thing is that thing's a palace. Um, but we were able to do the things that we needed to do uh, in the little gym that we had. And um, I was just fortunate and blessed to be a head coach. It's and not a lot of people get the opportunity to be a head coach. And I'd love to be a head coach again sometime. But um, you know, we're here now, and we just want to win a championship at Central Michigan. But High Point's a, uh, a great place. We we won a lot of games and had a lot of really, really good players and, and coaches around me that helped me uh, be successful. It's not one guy. It's not one. It's not the head coach. It's everybody kind of pulling in the same direction. So um, it was a lot of good years there. Those four straight years you're talking about, 2012 to 2016, you guys won over 75 games in that stretch. Pretty darn good. Uh, I need you to be my agent, man. Hey, man, I got you. You need to you need to fill fill up these people. That are look, <laughs> let them know, man. I think they forget. <laughs> I appreciate it. That's what I'm here for. Uh, <laughs> nobody else sits in their office and and Google's <laughs> Scott Cherry highlights and uh, goes back and rewatches the 1993 national championship game. But this is what makes basketball and sports so fun. I mean, the history and everything that came before it. And now this is the next generation. This this team here in, in 2024 that's chasing that first championship since 2003, that MAC tournament championship. I feel like that's that's got to be extra motivating as well. It's been a while. It's been over two decades since a group from Mount Pleasant has gotten to dance in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, again, it goes back to what I was saying earlier, try to get, try to get kids to understand what it would mean. I mean, for the community, for the university, for everybody here, that that the Chippewa Nation, like everybody that's been here for a long period of time, that you know would love a championship, but also for them personally, just you know, like I said, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the success that I had in this game. Um, yeah, there's other things that go along with that: your connections, your relationships, who you are, your character, your integrity, all that stuff. But if I wasn't at North Carolina, if I didn't win a national championship, I, who knows? You know, would it would I be here today? I don't know. I mean, the path would have probably been a little bit more challenging, a little bit more difficult. But if you if you hang a banner, it's something that can't it can never be taken down. Never. My banner is up there forever. I mean, it's never coming down. And that's what I was trying to do at High Point as well. You know, they they they've been Division One since 2000. 
a very short period of time. I just told our guys, trying to get them to understand and believe, and if you hang a banner, your life changes forever. It it just does. And that, whether that's good, bad, you know, wrong, right, I don't know. But but, but the people view you differently um, as a champion. And again, doesn't make you better. Doesn't make you uh, greater than anybody else. It just you know puts you in a kind of a category that you know they talk about Cayman and and all the guys before that did that. That that's what people hold on to. So if you're those that group of guys. You're going to be forever remembered. Um, and, you know, again, that's not the end-all, be-all. Like, you, you still can be successful in life and still go on and have a great career if you don't win a championship. But why not create a legacy? Why not create something that you can come back to 10 years? You know, we had our 25-year reunion for the national championship at Carolina. It was, it was incredible. I mean, it was to be remembered, to be honored um, for something that you accomplished that long ago. It's, that's what I try to get our guys to understand. It's, it's hard to get them to realize, you know, what that could do for them. Um, because when you go in for a job interview, when you, you know, the jobs that I got, a lot of them, I, I, didn't, I didn't have to work to get myself in the door. I was already there because of just who I was, where I'd been, what I'd played, what I'd done as a player who I played for. So just to try to get them to help them understand, you know, the legacy and the, the memories and, the, and the, the banner that you can hang, the ring that you can hold on to for the rest of your life and nobody can take it away from you. It's You will forever be remembered as a champion. So hopefully we can get these guys to focus on that these last four games and three games in the MAC tournament and, and walk out of here and get a new banner hung up there in the rafters and McGurk and – Everybody can start talking about this this group, too, as, as we move forward. I like the sounds of that. Last question, and most important, do you like cherries? Uh, I do. I, I, I don't <laughs> eat them on a regular basis, <laughs> but if you put them on top of that Chick-fil-A, you know, cookies and cream milkshake, you know, mm. I, I, I enjoy eating that at that time. So, yeah, no, I'm not, a, I'm not against them. Um, but if they're with something, usually ice cream or something like that or a shake, it, it goes down pretty good. Okay, well, how about this? The Chippewas cut down the nets in Cleveland will be the cherry on top of an excellent season. Yeah, you're good, man. You're good. <laughs> that was good. That was that was really good. I'd love to have that happen. We can make that the headline, too, if you want. So hopefully we can get that done. Scott Cherry, thanks so much for your time, and thanks for coming to Mount Pleasant and being a part of this program and university. I appreciate you, man. All right, first-year assistant Chelsea Butler, welcome to the Chatting Chippewa podcast. Awesome. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you. Yeah, appreciate you coming on here. Um, tell us, I know the journey has been uh, probably a longer one for, for you than others, but how did you get to Mount Pleasant? Yeah, for sure. So um, I played uh, four years collegiately at Marquette University in Wisconsin and then went straight into coaching after that, uh, became a graduate assistant at the University of Akron for two years and then went straight from there to Southeastern Louisiana University was down there for four years, and then Youngstown was my most recent um, stint of my career. I was at Youngstown State for two years, and then ended up here in about September. Um, fun connection, we were talking about a little bit before the show, but um, Jared Roan, who was our video coordinator here, he also worked with Kristen at Michigan State. He was a video coordinator while she was an assistant there. And Jared and I were graduate assistants together my first year at Akron. So I've known Jared the longest on our staff, but he's kind of my connection to Kristen and how I kind of built that relationship. It's crazy. Uh, you may not have a direct connection to the head coach at the school, but an assistant or somebody that you know, and it, it's kind of like who you know in this industry, I'm sure, that can you lead you that next opportunity? Oh, absolutely. That's a big thing that um, a lot of coaches talk about. It's about who you know, not what you mm -hmm. know. So it's important that you make connections and build relationships in this profession for sure. Okay, so you're Midwest. I mean, went to Marquette, grew up in Ohio, Akron, Youngstown, Mount Pleasant. What in the heck was Southeast Louisiana <laughs> like for you? <laughs> yeah, it was actually awesome. I really, really enjoyed my time down there. I enjoyed uh, my coworkers. So my boss at the time, she actually, my connection with her, she played at Akron. 
Um, and she was my assistant AAU coach, which is just travel basketball in the summer, my last year of AAU. So it was when she was kind of transitioning from being a player at Akron to being an assistant at Akron. She was my assistant, so I knew her. So when she got the head job, it was just perfect timing. She got the head coaching job right when I was finishing at Akron. And my boss at Akron was also her boss while she was there and her coach. So again, it's who you know. So I was ready to get in the profession, ready to be an official assistant. And it was perfect being able to go down there and work with my friend and help her out. She's originally from Hammond, Louisiana. So mm. that was home for her. So I was heading to her home to help her kind of turn it around down there. Was that long-term head coach Jody Sweeten there when you started at Akron? or Jody Kest. Or Jody, Jody Kest. Kest. I'm yes. I apologize. Yep. Uh-huh. Yeah, Jody Kest. Uh, yeah, she was there. She's awesome. I actually just talked to her this week. She's one of my mentors in the profession. So anytime I don't know which way to go or I need some advice, she's my first phone call. She's she's great. She definitely pays it forward. I don't know why I have full house in my mind, but I think <laughs> Jody Sweeten is the yeah. actress. Uh, so blew a tire there. But yeah, wow. She, I mean, she's in the league for so long while Sue G is mm -hmm. in the league. for so. There's been some great coaches that have had sustainability. Trisha Cullup at Toledo on the women's basketball side oh, in the yeah. MAC. Absolutely. I know um, Jody always talks about her and Sue. They came in at the same time, um, took over. She took over Central and Jody took over Akron. So uh, it was rebuilding for both of them. And she always talks about their first year. The first time they got to play each other, they're like, all right, well, someone's going to figure it out today. So yeah, they have a good relationship, a good competitive relationship, that's for sure. So you must have known a little bit about CMU before you came and got this job. Though. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They were always the team to beat um, when I was at Akron. And we also, when I was at Marquette, we played, we came to Central and played at Central. Uh, Crystal Bradford was here. We played against mm -hmm. Crystal. We came out with the win, which I had uh, to talk to Crystal about a little bit. We did come out with the win, <laughs> but it was a tough fought game for sure. Central is really, really good. I, I love that about women's basketball, too, because it seems more common there that bigger team. I mean, Notre Dame came up here. Louisville came up here one year. And maybe it was the good relationships that Coach G had with the other programs. But um, just to give the mid-majors an opportunity to play some of these bigger schools at their gym where fans can see it, I always love that about women's basketball community. Oh, for sure. I know. So I do our scheduling as well, and that's something I'm working on right now is – getting some home-and-home home stuff, which basically means we go somewhere, which guarantees they'll come to us the next year, or vice versa. But working on some of those with some bigger schools so that we can bring them to our floor so that, like you said, we can have a good crowd and our kids get the chance to play on that stage and compete at a high level. Yeah, definitely. It's it's awesome for this community to check them out. And when, when you guys are going well, I mean, uh, Coach G and – Coach Haney, they, they had a great fan base. There's, there's something up here with women's basketball and just basketball in general in Mount Pleasant. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I know that's one of the big things when we talk recruiting and we're talking to recruits. Like, it's, it is what it is, and um, it's getting better, but women's basketball doesn't bring in the fans, and the fans don't rally behind them as they do for men's sports. But that's one thing about Central Michigan. Like, we can say we have fans. People rally around women's basketball, and you're going to have people in the stands rooting for you, win or lose. And it's just going to get better because we are going to get this program going, and uh, we're going to get it back to that level that Suji had it at. Let's go back to young Chelsea. When, when did basketball become a part of your life? Yeah, so I'm tall. That's no secret. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> so Hard I've to tell always, on the podcast here, but yeah. I can confirm. <laughs> yeah, I'm a solid 6'3", 6'4", 6'5", on a roster. Um, but I was always tall growing up, uh, and sports just kind of ran in my family. My cousins all played um, uh, at a high level. Uh, so it was just part of who I was when I was younger. Um, so I was little, I was playing in like the church leagues. So <laughs> yeah, church, like co-ed church league. So I've been playing for a really long time. And you've obviously fell in, fell in love with the game. I mean, what is it about basketball that has kept you one to, to grow up as a player, but then two to want to give back and now be a coach? Yeah, for sure. Um, to be a player, the first part of that was I'm a competitor and I, hate losing more than I like winning. So that's just a part of who I am and that's in every part of life. And I'm just good at basketball. So that was where I was able to um, kind of fall, fall in love with basketball and being able to compete at a high level. 
Um, I had some amazing coaches that pushed me. My AAU coach, huge impact on my life and who I am as a person, but he really spent a lot of time helping me get to the level that I needed to be at to play at a high level. Um, so that was a big part of it. Um, going into the coaching aspect, when I was in college, I got injured my sophomore season going into my junior year and had surgery and I had to sit out. And when I sat out and was on the sidelines, I kind of, I realized that I'm good at explaining it and I'm good at teaching <laughs> it. Um, and my teammates were receptive and they enjoyed it. And uh, it's I'm, I'm open about the fact that my college experience wasn't the best relationship wise um, from coach to player. So that was a big part of it for me as well. I want to be able to pay it forward and give back and uh, I want these kids to be able to leave here and have more good memories than bad memories and be able want to come back and want to represent their university and uh, want to be a part of this. I want, you know, 20 years from now, uh, the kids that Ro and Dej are seniors that are graduating, I want them to be able to call me whether it's good or bad, whether they need help from me or they just want to share something great that's happening in their life. So it's all about the relationships for me personally. I think it's unique for you too. You saw both perspectives, right? You talk about your AAU coach and how – impactful he was able to to be for you and then maybe you didn't have the best experience collegiately but you're able to see both sides and kind of find where you want to be as a leader and someone that gives back as a teacher yeah absolutely I see the good impact of having great mentors in your life and people that have been through it and people that understand and they can resonate um, and then I've also seen the flip side where it's just a business and they're I mean the hard part of that is this is a business, but I strongly believe you can have both. It can be a business and I can be a mentor in your life and someone that you want to come to and you want to talk to. Talking with Coach Haney, she's emphasized that big relationship piece just with this current team and then recruits that you guys are starting to bring in here or looking to bring in here. With this current team, what are you doing to, to build those relationships outside of just, hey, I see you at practice, I see you at the games? Because I know that's a big part of it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a big thing about myself and our staff in general, I feel very, very blessed to be a part of a staff where everyone's on the same page and we're all doing it for the same reasons and the right reasons. Um, so it's all about building the relationships, like you said, outside of the court. So uh, talking to the kids, reaching out to them when we know something's going on or they might seem a little off at practice and what's going on in your personal life? Is there something at home going on? Like, what can we talk about? The basketball, it's its a big part of it because they're here to play basketball, but it's so minor in the grand scheme. Like, we're teaching them things that will help them for life, things that are going to get them through those hard moments, whether they're losing, um, they're in the workplace and they're struggling to get stuff done at work, but we're preparing them for those moments now. So it's all about c talking to them, like you said, off the court. It can't just be when we're on the court because we're only on the court. There's a limited amount. NCAA limits our hours. So it's building those relationships and being able to find ways to connect th with them outside of basketball. Seeing the way that you guys work with the women on your team um, with this adversity of trying to rebuild a program, which is not easy, and then you put on top of that this era of basketball where it's – People can come and go as quick as others, and you're not used to the, hey, I, I recruited you. You're going to be here for three, four years. How do you stay positive and stay on that one-track mind of trying to ascend and, and get this program back with all of the adversity that's going on, like a normal program to rebuild, but then everything that's going on in the current day of college basketball? Yeah, for sure. I think there's two different sides to it. So I think the first side is – at the end of the day, we're humans and humans want relationships and humans want people like we're not meant to do stuff alone. We're not meant to be by ourselves. So building off of that and still being able to connect with these kids and connect and show them that we yeah, maybe there's other places where you might be able to get more gear or you might be able so you're flying to every trip. Right. But here we care about you here. We love you as a person first. You're a human being and we care about you and love you as a human first. The basketball is going to be a positive because we're going to win. Like we're like we're going to win. We're going to figure this out. We are going to win. We are, we're a staff of winners. So that's going to happen. It's letting them know how much we care about them outside of that. Like you're going to win and have a lot of fun, but you're also going to love being here and love being around us and love being around your teammates. And then I think the other side is that. The portal is something that regardless of how you feel about it, it's not going away. And I think that's a positive for us as well. So like rebuilding a program um, back when the Sioux, the Sioux eras, right, you had to bring in these freshmen and it, it would take four, five, six years because you're trying to get that rhythm. Now with the portal, you're able to go get kids that might have some experience already. 
Um, I think that the flip side of that is like being able to build those relationships quickly. Um, it's not a lot of time. It's a small window with the portal. But that's like I said, I'm just blessed to be on a staff that all feels the same way that I do about building those relationships and finding those connections. So I think regardless of if you're going the fast track or you're building these freshmen, which we believe in both. We have a great class coming in next year. But I think that you can build a program based off of either one of those options. And this is one of those foundation years to build to that next step. And you said it, you hate losing more than you like winning. These are the ones that you remember. Obviously, you're going to remember a championship year, but I always remember talking with Coach G. She's like, all of the success we had here, and I just remember 07 when we won <laughs> six or seven games, right. and that was the first year. It's like, these are the moments where, yes, the success might not be happening yet, but these are the pillars that you're setting to eventually get there. Yeah, absolutely. That's So when I got to southeastern Louisiana, um, we were bottom of the pack. So it was a losing program when we got there, and we turned it around. They won the championship uh, the year after I left to go to Youngstown, come back home. Um, so turned it around. We went from the last to first, and I still – I talk to our staff all the time. I still bring up, like – moments from the, our first year and our second year there because it's there's a beauty in the process right you got to remember where you started to appreciate where you're going and where you are and I think that uh, I still there's still I still talk to that staff and my old boss and I bring up moments that we went through because it's it's just beautiful to see where you were and where it started and see the um, work that it took to get to the level that you are now. You mentioned this staff full of winners, full of great humans. Um, what's it like working with them every single day? Oh, it's awesome. We literally this morning at practice, Coach Crate uh, walked past us and was like, I'm just glad I like you guys. because <laughs> It's just so much fun to be around them, you know, so it's easy. It makes it really, really easy to come to work every day when you're enjoying the people that you're getting to spend that time with. And you all have the same mindset and you all have the same growth mentality. Um, and on top of that, like just good humans, like they're just fun to be around cause they're good people. And, um, I think that's rare cause there's, uh, I'm sure there's other staffs like that, but I know, um, it's rare to be around a staff that all has the same mindset. Um, cause like I said, it's a business at the end of the day, like we're doing this so that we can feed our families and we can go home and pay our bills. Um, but finding people that are in it for the right reasons makes it a lot easier to do it every day. It's a unique perspective for us because we saw Coach Haney as an assistant mm -hmm. under Coach G here, and, of course, she went down to, to Michigan State, and now she's a head coach. So as you see her as a head coach and we see her as a head coach for the first time, what, sh what have you seen from her leading a program? Yeah, she's awesome. I, I was literally talking to one of the girls today after practice about her. I am so lucky to be working for her. Um, there's not – I won't say there's not a lot, but she's rare in this profession. To find somebody like Kristen is very, very rare. She genuinely cares about the staff, about the players as people first. Like that is her first thing. She wants to make sure you're good as a human and her heart is huge. And it's just rare. It's just rare to find head coaches that I feel like sometimes we joke about it, that uh, assistants become head coaches and forget what it was like to be an assistant. And she is like the opposite. Like she's like, I was there. I know what this looks like. I know what this feels like. She gives a lot of grace. Like she's, she's amazing. And I love seeing her in this role because it's challenging her a little bit um, because she does have to make hard decisions. Like I, I get, I say it all the time. Like I get paid to give suggestions. So I get to give her suggestions all the time, but I don't have to make the hard decisions. Right. So her being in that seat, it's awesome to see it because she's, again, I was talking to one of the players about this today, but she wants opinions. She wants to get opinions and she cares. It's not like she's listening to your opinion just because she feels like she has to. She takes what everyone says, including the players. She takes it in and listens to it and then forms a decision based off that. And I think it's just awesome to see because people, we need more people like her in this profession. She's, she's one of the greats for sure. And now this year, I mean, from the start where it's a smaller bench and then you have injuries and then we bring in volleyball and we bring in women's soccer. I mean, you guys have faced the adversity What's it been like going through this this first year here in Mount Pleasant? Yeah, for sure. I mean, <laughs> we I joke about it with her all the time. I'm like, well, boss, like you're going to be prepared. Like this year is getting you ready. Like, Seen it all. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm like, if you had to have a first year, at least you're getting it all out of the way. But um, it's it's been difficult because it is a lot of adversity adding on to it being your first year, adding on to it being a rebuilding of a program, you know. So it's definitely been hard, but a good hard because she talks about it all the time. Like we're learning like a lot, like we're learning a lot of lessons as a staff. Like we're learning how to handle situations. 
um, do's and don'ts, uh, and that's trial and error because a lot of this stuff we haven't experienced before. Um, and same with the players. Like, we're we're all just learning together, and I think that's another great thing about us as a staff. Like, we have no problem saying, I don't know, or I'm, I was wrong. And I think that that kind of gets lost. Like, as you move up in the profession, it's hard to admit when you messed up or you're the wrong. accountability portion. Absolutely, absolutely. And we hold our girls to that standard, and we expect them to be able to own it. So we do the same thing. And I think there was a lot of that this year because, like you said, there's just a lot of things that are happening that we aren't prepared for. You don't think about having to add other sports players to your team and mm. that kind of thing. We don't think about the illness. Like, everyone got the flu at the same time like we didn't think about that kind of stuff you know so it's just teaching us a lot of lessons and just helping us grow and having a whole staff that has the growth mentality it's really easy to manage that throughout the year four games guaranteed left to go still a chance in a convoluted conference uh standings list here for you guys to get to cleveland what's the mindset here over the last couple of weeks to to finish strong and try and go compete in Cleveland. Yeah, for sure. I know a big thing for our girls, we just put two great practices together. So we kind of talked about it yesterday before film about how if we want to go to Cleveland, in which we talk about it all the time, going to Cleveland, and we'll shoot free throws. And before a free throw, like put the pressure on. It's for Cleveland. Got to make it for mm -hmm. Cleveland. So just talking about it a lot, but um, being able to put consecutive good practices together. So, I mean, it's no secret we were very disappointed, the Western game. So that was disappointing. That was tough. Um, but they definitely showed up. So they showed up yesterday. We had a great practice. They showed up today. They had a great practice. They were locked in. So it's being able to show up every day, even when it's hard, even when, you know, you're not the team competing for first, fi finding what your why is and why you're doing this, why you're here, and being able to show up and compete at a high level regardless. Because you got to learn from those adverse moments, right? The, you're, you're not going to win every single game, but can you learn from a game like Western bounce back? Absolutely, absolutely. And they, and they showed that yesterday. They definitely responded in a great way because it would be really easy to show up yesterday kind of tail between your legs still feeling sorry for yourself and they didn't they showed up and gave us a really good practice and then came in today with great a uh, diving on the floor great energy um, picking each other up cheering for each other so it just showed that they want they want it they responded and they want it can you tell I told Chelsea I was going to ask her about this that you have showed up uh, with the broadcast degree that you have you sound great <laughs> on the you, air here <laughs> uh, take us through that a little bit because you played basketball I know you said injury prone um, and kind of hurt your career there in college but uh, you got a broadcast degree that so that's awesome yeah absolutely originally um, when I went to school that's what I thought I wanted to do I thought I wanted to be like ESPN on the sidelines mm. um, just because I just love the game and I wanted to stay around the game um, but got into college and I loved it. I loved the degree I had. Uh, we talked about it a little bit before, but I had a radio show while I was at Marquette and, um, I made multiple films like for my degree for classes, but I got, uh, voted into the student film festival at one point. So that was awesome. Um, yeah, I loved it. I, it kind of, what got me in that in the first place when I was in high school, I would do, um, I would call all of our boys basketball games. <laughs> so nice. Yeah, so I just love it. I just It's no secret, like, any of our players or the staff, I like to talk. So that's just <laughs> a part of who I am. And um, I always, when I talk to recruits, I always tell them, like, be prepared. I can talk to a wall. So, like, interrupt me because <laughs> I'll just keep going. But I like to talk. So that kind of that kind of pushed me in that direction as well. This is good because I texted Coach Haney. I was like, hey, I need one of your assistants on. <laughs> yeah. who do I? She's like, Chelsea. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Hundred for that's a probably a little bit of shade too because she's like because Coach Haney is a um, extroverted introvert so she kind of needs her time to herself mm -hmm. and I'll be like hey can I come in here and hang out or do you need a couple minutes because I'm like I'm coming in here to talk <laughs> you know she's like so. Adam go use up her energy <laughs> right so I can right get some time <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> well listen I hope the basketball career coaching wise works out for you and I know things are gonna get turned around here it just sometimes it takes some time but you know just in case. Any any lingering thoughts of broadcasting? I think there's something <laughs> there, just in case. Hey, I'm locked in. You ever need an interview, <laughs> say less. <laughs> All right. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for coming on. I appreciate awesome. it. Awesome. Thank you, Adam. I appreciate it. There's nothing better than talking hoops and doing it with uh, two different awesome people in Scott Cherry and, and Chelsea Butler. You can hear the energy. You can hear the history, all of the different spots that they have been and what they're doing to try and help out the current Central Michigan men's and women's programs. We really appreciate it, and it's uh, it's been really fun getting to know them and hearing a little bit more about their stories. So hopefully you can come out and catch some Central Michigan men's and women's basketball. The 
Men are at home tonight to take on Ball State. They're looking for a sweep against the Cardinals. And then the women are hosting Miami tomorrow. They also are looking for a sweep. So good opportunity to come out and uh, take in these last couple of home games. The men have two home games left. And for the women, they also have two home games left as they'll both wrap up next Friday and Saturday right here inside McGurk Arena. The men have solidified their spot to get to Cleveland, and the women are right on the cusp. Four big games to close it out uh, to see if they can get there. So come out, continue to support uh, both the Central Michigan winter sports and then the spring sports underway. Even though they are playing down south where it's warmer, it's great to see the crossover happening here in late February and getting ready for that big March month, which is just around the corner. Appreciate you stopping in to Chatting Chip Wise, and uh, certainly hope you have a great rest of your week and fire up chips. <laughs>